intro music. That's the beginning of the podcast with Aaron. Hi, Aaron. Hi. Today is the first of February, 2017. Yeah, January's gone. Yeah, yeah. Just the constant march of time as we move on to another growing season. We're both teaching this semester, yeah, so that are. adds another layer of busyness to our yeah, lives. Yeah. yeah. But somehow we've managed to carve out a little bit of time for podcasting. Just for you. Just for you, <laughs> our listener. Hope you appreciate it. <laughs> this is uh, officially episode 18 of season 7. When does season 8 begin? It's a good question. I was thinking of that this morning while we were prepping for this. And we're going to have to just make a judgment call on yeah for the new growing season. When does that start? We start talking about that in March and April. God, there's so many se- there's so many like calendars and you know there's the yeah. fiscal calendar, there's the Julian calendar, there's the Gregorian calendar. <laughs> I, I I can't keep track of all these things. And now I think there's we'll start be, in April with season eight. I, I noticed how you just cut me off right there. Mm-hmm. I wasn't done listing all the calendars. Go on. I'm okay. I'm, oh, okay. I'm, the moments passed. Okay. Um, so uh, anyway, we're gonna. Wrap up season a seven here with the start of season eight in April. Yeah. And um, maybe we could, maybe we could have like a big party, like a big, you know what we could do for our next season? What? New music. Maybe. Maybe. Stay tuned. Yeah. These changes are coming. Um, topics in the news. Uh, Serena Williams won the Australian Open. Now the most decorated female professional tennis player in terms of Grand Slams. Mm-hmm. Way to she go, had Serena. to beat her sister to do that, but yeah. Yeah, but, but that was hard. <laughs> Probably not that hard. No. I mean, come on, <laughs> Venus is fine. She's a champion too, but she's no Serena. Um, but getting back to what we really talk about, uh, we have some topics planned for this episode. We we're going to talk about miticides. Yeah. I, I, to, to be fair, I suggested this because I had the opportunity to give your talk for you. What? I'm going in and out of the microphone. I'm trying to yeah. punctuate you. You got a chance to do some extension. How yeah. was it? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, don't believe anything Bob Hartsley tells you. I am a fine driver. <laughs> I, I, Thanks for covering one of my locations, yeah. Matt. I appreciate it. It's too bad you can't be at two places at once. No. Um, you're a very popular person, and... I'm Not happy really. to, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> people like you. Uh, I got to fill in for you at the River City Casino in Davenport, Iowa. Iowa, uh, it's yeah, key. Yeah, to make a long story short, the original program had it written Davenport, Illinois, and I that's what I typed in, and we went to a, in our Apple map, and we went to a Davenport, Illinois, <laughs> apparently, because uh, it's across the river, and, and as we pulled up, to a hotel like venue, Bob says, "Where are the pickup trucks?" <laughs> That's always a key indicator of an extension meeting. Yeah, a lot of pickups. There were none. A lot of yeah. there were some minivans, but yeah, no no pickup trucks. To make a long story short, we passed by that casino f- I think four times before we finally found the entrance. And Bob, great loop de loop. Yeah, Bob yeah. convinced me that Apple, my Apple map app wasn't getting me where i needed to be it's kind of right yeah anyway we got there and it was interesting your talk went over really well and i think there is a lot of 
like head nodding as points were being made and um yeah it was it was great having that material to share and the one that i thought um even though it was just one bullet in your talk was um a part of a resistance management plan for aphids that if you are man if you're trying to prevent aphids becoming resistant or even more resistant to pyrethroids as we talked about last episode um think about using different products when managing other pests in soybeans and the one was uh, spider mites the one pest was spider mites and some pyrethroids can be used for spider mites i think they've seen of all the pyrethroids bifenthrin would probably do the best yeah the best job on two spotted spider mite i'd just like to back up one one step when did you i make said, one mistake well you said something about wanting to prevent resistance, and I just like to say that's never going to happen. We're never going to prevent resistance. Um, Our best hope is it. to prolong the efficacy of the products that we have. There's no such thing as preventing Prevent. resistance. Can't, as can't, far, no guarantees. Yeah, no. It's, no a, it's a guarantee we cannot prevent All resistance. Right. So just, just want to clarify right. no, that because no, no, I know no. sometimes you're very particular about the words we use. So, Am I? Yes, which is great. I want to yeah. be as specific let's, as let's possible. Be, let's be yeah. clear. Um, no tension. No, <laughs> no not Nothing. at all. Nothing. Uh, uh, point well taken. But getting back to this issue of what do you use for spider mites that wouldn't make things worse or you know cause problems with aphids? And like you said, bifenthrin is labeled for spider mites. It's also labeled for soybean aphids. and A lot of things. And we're starting to see resistance in soybean aphids to bifenthrin so something to think about is if you have a spider mite problem and you might have uh, you might need something think about using another group of insecticides or use a miticide, miticide. on mites i know yeah. it, it makes sense to me that a miticide would do a better job on mites than an insecticide, but yeah, when you put not, it like that, yeah. I'm <laughs> um, you, I mean, now I sound like an idiot. No, yeah. I, I think that I mean I don't think a lot of people think of that just because there aren't necessarily a ton of miticides mm -hmm. in field crops, so there's not a lot of choices, and the choice is not going to be less expensive. A miticide yeah. is going to be more expensive than a cheap generic is, pyrethroid. So, but. That's an option. Yeah. And one of the things that using a miticide will help uh, prolong is the lifetime of insecticides that are going to um, have an effect on uh, other insects in those fields, like soybean aphids. So the one thing that's kind of interesting about this, I think, on a, like an ecology level, is that mites, spider mites, tend to do better on crops in warm conditions, hot conditions, dry conditions. And... In general, the soybean aphid doesn't do as well on hot conditions. So one could think that, well, it's hot, I got a spider mite problem, I don't have an aphid problem, so it doesn't matter, except that it's not always the case. There may still be aphids in those fields, and whatever you spray, they're going to experience. Now, they're not going to be a lot of them. They're not going to, those aphids aren't probably contributing to yield loss, um, but they're still there, and they're still experiencing that insecticide, that pyrethroid, and that contributes to selection of resistance in that population. So there's some incentives long-term for using a miticide when it comes to managing uh, resistance in other insects. 
Yeah, and, and you said from the ecology perspective, I sometimes think about it from the economics, and I'm hoping that if you were to apply miticide and get a good knockdown, you wouldn't have to make multiple treatments. Oh, good which, point. Which you might yeah, yeah, yeah. have to if you yeah, use yeah, a yeah. insecticide like a pyrethroid yeah. or organophosphate. And there is some evidence that some insecticides, some of the pyrethroids, I don't know if bifenthrin specifically, but some of the other pyrethroids have been known to flare spider mites, removing the natural enemies that would keep them in check. And, you know, that's a problem. But um, so the ecology gets kind of complicated kind of quickly mm-hmm. uh, with this. And the miticides... As far as we know, I mean, they're new, so we don't have a lot of experience using them, but we don't we don't have any evidence that that's happening with them. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think there are a couple products in, in soybean and then a couple products in corn, which are now available for use in Iowa. Um, do you remember what they're... Uh, yeah, I forget the companies. Uh, so this is, and I mentioned this not because it's a, what, a endorsement, but just information. I think the product names are Zeal and Agrimec. Um, Z-E-A-L. Yeah, and Agrimec, A-G-R-I-M-E-K. And honestly, I don't know the active ingredients on those. Um, I I don't have a lot of experience with them, um, but this is just to inform, right? Mm -hmm. And these are uh, relatively new within the last 18 months that they've become available. It would be nice to have some data on their efficacy and their... um, they're the economics because as you mentioned they might be more expensive than generic insecticides that are used for mites but in the long run maybe pays off because you don't have to return to a um, a second spray and just for our audience to know you were shaking your head yes, yes. when i was saying all that stuff yeah. so you know yeah you, maybe a lot of reasons to use miticides if you have if, if two spotted spider mite is your primary pest maybe a lot of benefits um, to using a miticide. And, and just like you, Matt, I don't have a lot of experience with trying to um, to evaluate miticides for two-spotted spider mite. I have mostly been looking at insecticides for soybean yeah. aphids, so I, I can't address the efficacy, the, the price points on those either. Yeah, and to be fair, I think we've tried at times to do this. It's just mm-hmm. really challenging with spider mites, spider mites because they're so spotty. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not a pest that... Uh, is easy to scout for or even easy to predict. Um, yeah, I think the last kind of widespread outbreak of, of spider mites was in 2012 when we had basically the hottest summer we've ever ever had. Yeah, yeah. So it's, and it's not common to see mites and aphids together thriving because, like you said, usually it's hot and dry. Mites do better. If it's kind of cooler, aphids do better. So I honestly haven't seen a, a field where both are kind of thriving and, and actively re- reproducing. So... You know, if we happen to have a dry summer coming up here in 2017, that's where we're going to see more mite issues. Yeah. But it's not to say that if you see one, the other doesn't exist. Right. It's just those yeah. conditions favor one sometimes more so than the other. Yeah. And to take a bigger picture here, um, I think we've talked a bit about this. Um, the changing climate that we're experiencing mm-hmm. um, is, as I understand it from work that I've done with some other colleagues, uh, especially meteorologists, Changing climate for us means uh, more frequent dry conditions, hot, dry conditions in the summer, which favors spider mites. Mm -hmm. And um, it's interesting. Um, My sense from talking to people that work in field crops is they're they're seeing this uh, these outbreaks of spider mites more frequently 
in the last, say, five or so years um, than they did, you know, between, say, the last big outbreak, which was in 88, um, and what you said, 2012. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, you know, not confirmed, but it's uh, likely given how accurate some of the meteorologist predictions have been about our our changing climate that um, we're going to see more spider mite problems in the future. Uh, So having some experience with the miticides, being aware of the issues is probably going to be more important, you know, going forward than it has been for the last, um, what, 20 plus years. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Hey, well, that was nice. Maybe we should end right there. (laughs) And on agreement. (laughs) We agree more than we don't don't agree. I mean. I'm keeping score. Oh, okay. But I did just then. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Any uh, upcoming events to highlight or? Well, my extension schedule really slows down now that we've started in February, but I am speaking at a panel for the Iowa Soybean Association, their on-farm conference down in Des Moines on the 8th. So next week I'll be down there talking about pest resistance. Oh, very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will be talking to Ent 376 Section B lab <laughs> section in about 20 minutes. We're going to talk about uh, pollinators and um, different types of pollinators, and we're going to do a honey tasting in part Ooh. of that class. So. Ooh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, but mostly just classroom teaching for the next couple of months. Excuse me, next couple of months. Uh, where to find us if you need more information? As always, Google soybean entomology. Aaron is on Twitter at Aaron W. Hodgson, all one word. Yep. And uh, you can email us, O'Neill or EWH, ending with at iastate.edu. And as always, subscribe. Subscribe to our podcast uh, via iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Pocket Cast. And there's two links now, if you've noticed, on our website at Soybean Entomology to iTunes and Stitcher, right? Yeah, so you can go, if you visit, if you listen to our podcast on our website, you're going to see some additional information, links, photos, extra things like that. And then you can subscribe directly uh, to Stitcher and iTunes from our, our website now. Okay. We're getting fancy. Oh, so fancy. All right. We almost look professional. Should we, should we do this? Let's do Cue this. Cue the outro music. Okay. And... See you next time. (laughs) Thanks. Thank you.